This is The Bookshelf from NHPR. I'm Peter Biello. If you've ever been on a college campus or a public park, you may have seen desire lines. Those are those well-worn paths carved by travelers who, for whatever reason, preferred a route that diverged from the ones carefully cured in concrete by city or campus planners. Such a metaphor proved irresistible to Marie Harris. The Barrington, New Hampshire poet's new collection, called Desire Lines, keeps these paths in mind as it explores aspects of her own life. Harris is a former New Hampshire poet laureate, and she joins us now. Marie Harris, thank you very much for speaking with me. My pleasure. Thank you. Let's start by talking a little bit about uh, a section of this book called Bruised Hearts. Uh, It's a long poem about a car accident that your son was in. Can you talk a little bit about what happened? Well, the accident was was horrible and and ended up with my son uh, in a ICU in North Carolina and his wife in a different hospital. Um, And we came, we got down there the day after, the morning after it happened. So the... The Bruised Hearts saga is, on one level, the story of the accident and and the beginning of recovery. But on another level, it's also about how that accident and my tending to him during that first week or 10 days of of touch and go um, brought up a lot of memories of my life as a single mother and a lot of regret of the kinds of things that I perceived myself as not having done properly. So I'm nursing an adult son and thinking very hard about two very young sons. One of the conceits of this poem is uh, a section that runs through it called Dear Scorpio. And I'll back up to say that my son, Sebastian Matthews, is a poet as well. And he wrote his version of the accident and his responses to it. At first, we were going to make one book out of that and for various reasons decided not to. So his version has been published by Red Hen Press, and it's called A Beginner's Guide to a Head-On Collision. One of the things he did was he talked to himself um, in bits of short lines called Dear Virgo. He talked to his Virgo self. I thought that was an interesting idea, and so I have a whole section called Dear Scorpio running through Bruised Hearts where I, the young single mother, am talking to myself as an adult. So... You have not only this mother-son relationship mm-hmm. with him, but you also have this writer-to-writer relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that comes across in, in this poem, in Bruised Hearts. You think so? Yeah. Well, oh. I mean, you talk a little bit about, right? He, he writes a poem of some kind, as far as I remember, mm-hmm. in the poem, and then you talk to him about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so poetry is, in some way, I don't want to say it's the center of your relationship with him, but it is a part of it. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Well, I think in a funny way, it is the center of our relationship or writing now because he's an adult. Um, And so um, though we began to share our work when he was only 14, um, it's been so much apart, so much woven into our relationship that I would say that it's one of the central threads of how we are with each other. And it's a, it's a fascinating relationship because you have to step back from being mother and son in order to be two writers talking about the craft. I think it might be a bit unusual. I'm not sure, but it's, it's, uh, it's great fun. And when you talk about being a single mother and, and worrying about whether or not you have done the right things, I think as all mothers, all parents do, mm-hmm. uh, whether they're single or not, um, do you talk about that with him? And does he... Does he respond to your concerns? He and his brother Will um, have been, um, have listened to me 
speak about my regrets. And I, I don't know about you, but I think if I think about my own parents and, and, and think about them doing that to me, um, I would not feel comfortable. I would, I would feel, no, 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 you're wonderful. Um, it, it, you did your best, et cetera. And that was their reaction as Meaning well. as a child, you would want to reassure your parents, and so you think Not that's... just a child, but even more so as an adult. If, yeah. if they did to me what I have sort of done to Will and Sebastian is, is by way of saying, you know, I, mea culpa, um, their response, of course, has been, no, no, you're, you're, you're our mother, you're perfect. Um, so it's never been an actual back and forth discussion because they they don't buy it. <laughs> Sebastian Matthews has written about his father at length in in a memoir. Mm-hmm. He he he's, he paints a complex portrait of his father. He does, yeah. And I was wondering what your take on that was because that's part of your history too. And having it talked about in such a public forum, I don't know how that feels. How does that feel? I have chosen not to. Um, not to go back there myself in my own um, in my own work, whether it's memoir or um, uh, poetry, except perhaps tangentially, the fact that he's chose to, he chose to do that, uh, I think, uh, was probably very cathartic for him. Um, he made um, uh, a work of art. It's called "In My Father's Footsteps." He made a work of art out of what was a, uh, to some extent, history of pain and confusion. Well, I, I do want to steer us back to Desire Lines, your work of art here. Huh. The occasion of this interview, <laughs> although mm-hmm. uh, worth talking about what happened with, with your son because it's part of this book. But um, the book is called Desire Lines, and that's a concept that, that you try to explore here thematically. Can you talk a little bit about the idea of Desire Lines? Well, first of all, um, it's a concept that everybody knows even though they don't know that they know. Um, anyone who's ever walked um, on a college campus or in a public park knows that though there are paths from here to there, um, there are also that are paved usually. There are also paths from here to there that people have preferred, and therefore taken the shorter route, perhaps, or the prettier route, whichever. And that's how many, many people have gotten from here to there, creating a new path, and that has an actual name called Desire Lines. It's also um, uh, uh, true of animals who make their paths from point to point. And so um, it, it became kind of a, th- a theme, an organizing theme for the book, because I realized looking back over what's essentially 20 years of, of uh, new poems that I have followed my own desire lines, and sometimes often they don't, they haven't been paved. For example? Some of the choices I've made um, in, in, for instance, my living situation, when I met and married my husband, Charter Weeks, um, he brought me to a what we now call shack in the woods. It had no running water. Um, it, uh, it was only just beginning to be built. And I kind of turned away from uh, a much more privileged way of life that I had been living um, to embrace this one. So that's one desire line that I, that I took and, in fact, is kind of the subject of the poem Desire Lines, which gave, uh, which gave the book its title. Maybe we should have you read that. Sure. Okay, Desire Lines. It starts off with a a little definition. Desire Lines represent the shortest or most easily navigated route between an origin and a destination. That March night when I came here from everywhere I'd been, the snow was troweled thick as plaster on the dark boughs and branches. A single footpath skirting bog and boulder worn to roots by a single man walking, led me to the house, its single room. So much has changed since then. 
but the piney isle that first described my way home remains the shortcut from love's beginning to death's warm and reassuring anteroom. The path is visible even on moonless nights, limbed by a tree-lined emptiness above me in the sky. One of the things that struck me about this the first time I read it was just the the vivid imagery, um, especially the snow troweled thick as plaster. Like, you can feel that, or at least I could while I was reading it. I go back when I'm thinking about writing to something I read a number of years ago by a French poet and scientist named Paul Valéry. And he wrote, loosely translated, he wrote, A work of art should always teach us that we haven't seen what we've been looking at. And I think that if I can make you go out into the woods this afternoon or on a moonless night and see the snow and imagine it's troweled thick as plaster, I've done my job. Mm -hmm. So that's a guiding aesthetic principle for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can you talk a little bit about um, all the birds in the boats here? (laughs) I began birding um, when I was in my early 20s, and it was a direct result of a disastrous uh, uh, turn in my relationship. And my then uh, grandmother-in-law introduced me uh, to that sensing that uh, I was absolutely miserable, and she was trying to distract me. And it became an absolute passion. So birds um, have woven through my life. Um, uh, I don't want to say that they're metaphors because they're birds, but they, they do remind me to think about things in a different way or to see things that I haven't have been looking at but haven't seen properly. And boats, well, um, we got a small sailboat, which we named Sensei because it was going to be our teacher about 25 years ago. And um, so sailing the bounding main, which I often referred to as our weekend brushes with death, um, <laughs> um, gave me a, um, an, another metaphor, a vehicle, as it were, for thinking about um, relationships and thinking about my, my past and other people's histories uh, with the sea and the boat as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. So it seems like a lot of your poetry is autobiographical in some way. It's probably all autobiographical, but it's not confessional. Um, I, I begin with my own experience as a jumping-off place, and so to that extent, you could call it autobiographical, yeah. When you're giving readings or sharing your poems with the world in other settings, um, what do you hope audiences take away from it? Something happened to me the other day at Gibson's when I was doing a, a, one of the first readings from this book that is exactly what I hope happens. I read a poem to do with um, one's uh, loved one, one's mate or whatever, dying, and uh, using looking at my at my uh, flock of chickens and, and realizing that once all of them were wiped out by a raccoon or a skunk or something except one, and she was just puttering around as if nothing had happened. And I wondered uh, in the poem whether or not that might be me ever, that, that, that I could lose the love of my life and just go on. A lady came up to me after that reading, and she said, I just wanted to tell you I am that chicken. And I, I just went cold, she said. My husband is in the last throes of Alzheimer's, and I here I am puttering around as if nothing had happened, and I've and I've lost him. And I thought, wow, I've given her a way to think about it, and she's given me a way to to think about what I what I wrote. Well, maybe we should hear that poem. Valentine. Familiar enemies have wiped out the flock of barred rocks, rooster and all, save one. 
she carries on, fussing about in shavings and snow, falling upon the ordinary kernel of cracked corn as if it were a prize grub. She putters all day and settles on the empty perch at dusk. Has she gone mad? Doesn't she realize she's alone in her chicken world? Is it possible that I would continue without you, mumble on, still hearing answering noises, that the weak sun would rise and set as usual on my busy days, that I might scarcely notice the silence, the cold? That's Valentine from Desire Lines, the new collection of poetry by Marie Harris. Marie, thank you very much for speaking with me about this book and about your poetry. We really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. That's Marie Harris. She's the author of the new collection of poetry, Desire Lines. And you can find a list of her top five reading recommendations at our website, nhpr.org. We are hoping to hear your reading recommendations. Yesterday on The Exchange, during our winter reading show, we got a ton of reading recommendations from listeners like you, as well as from local booksellers. You can find that show and the list of all the books discussed at nhpr.org exchange. And you can also send us your recommendations by email. The address is books at nhpr.org. You can also tweet us at nhprbookshelf. This is The Bookshelf from NHPR. I'm Peter Biello. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>